Hello and welcome to the Sales Transformation Toolkit podcast by Mentor Group. I, as ever, am your host, Ben. And today I'm joined all the way from San Diego by Bill Taylor. Bill, how are you? Good morning. Good morning, Ben. Good to be with you and excited to talk about this intriguing subject of private equity. Absolutely. It's, a, it's an interesting space at the minute, private equity. Why don't you give us a quick introduction to you and your background and what you do for us here at Mentor? Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've been with Mentor now for almost two years, and my relationship and role is to support the U.S. expansion of Mentor's group. Uh, secondly, I've, I've got two roles, really. It's, one is I'm, I'm the practice leader for the private equity group, mm. kind of he- helping stand up that vertical, expand and penetrate the work we've done with other private equity firms and expand that work across the nation. The second one is also facilitator, coach, and consultant. So as I say to folks, sometimes I, I sell and I do and I do and I sell the work. So I have a great chance to be a practitioner as well as one of the the sales leads uh, in the U.S. for Mentor Group. Yeah, amazing. It's a very interesting double role that kind of reflects your relatively unique skill set in that space. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, over the year, I've been a professional sales guy for over 30 years, Ben, and yeah. managed sales teams regionally, nationally. So by, by nature, I come from two places. My first career was in banking as a business executive in a, in a bank here in San Diego, California. So a business guy, banker by trade, but transitioned and changed careers about 30 years ago into management consulting. And I brought with me my sales chops, if you will, and then uh, let that uh, start to sell training and development, organizational development solutions. And over time started to gravitate toward facilitation and coaching. My clients kept pulling me in and saying, why don't you (laughs) talk about this? Because you're the business guy. Yeah. And then of course, my love of sales. I'm proud to be a professional sales person, former sales leader, and I love supporting anybody in B2B sales uh, profession. Amazing. Certainly a valuable piece of what we're trying to do as we expand just what we do, but also where we do it. Um, So you mentioned at the start, we're going to talk about private equity on all all things in that space. Um, And I think obviously within every sector, more or less, has been impacted in some way uh, by COVID and the restrictions in different places and just way we've had to operate. So kind of kind of a two-pronged question to start us off. How much from what you've seen has COVID impacted the way that private equity organizations operate? And then how much has it operated, uh, how much has that impacted their mindset as they go forwards? Yeah, you know, private equity, and we won't go into venture capital per se, because it's it, it's very different. But but I think the one thing private equity has done that's been easy to identify, it mirrors the rest of the global economy. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, their portfolio businesses, you know, they're varied in in scope and breadth and size and, and, and sector and industry. And so they really mirrored what happened when certain sectors of the industry died and went away and went dormant or even failed, private equity portfolio companies mirrored that, although probably on a smaller scale. The second challenges they faced is if they were B2B salespeople, uh, sales organizations, they had to move from remote, which most of us in professional sales have been remote, and then we go get on an airplane or go see a client, Yeah. Uh, but now move to virtual where they're, I call it stuck. You Now you're stuck. You gotta become a different kind of sales professional different kind of sales manager. And what, of course, what it did was disrupt the difference between and the cadence of buyers buying services and sellers selling those services. So the yeah, major sure. disruption was how do people now sell effectively in a virtual environment? 
Um, how do they adjust to that? How do the sales managers adjust to that? So I think that was from, again, a B2B sales perspective and also supply chain perspective. Things were radically altered. And now we've been 20 plus months into this. I think uh, we'll probably get uh, talk about this a bit later, Ben, is now it's the transition back to becoming a remote salesperson that gets to go visit salespeople. And guess what? The buyers are like, I'm not sure I need you to come see me anymore. <laughs> yeah. So it's fascinating. Some of the changes and the uh, huge shifts in mindset. You know, when you're a professional salesperson, you've got a mindset to go see the client. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, didn't get to do that anymore. So that those those are some high level ones. Yeah. So, so in a sense, it sounds like because the because of how broad, as you said, the scope is for where and how these organizations operate. There's an extent to which they've gone as those org- the organizations they have in their portfolio have gone, which, which mm-hmm. makes sense um, because because they're covering so many different aspects. As the economy goes, they go. Um, certainly interesting. You talk about the shift from being able to go in that in person to virtual shift. As we kind of look now, as you said, twenty plus months into into the pandemic and the the, the way it continues to shift and evolve, I think we're seeing some areas be able to open up and maybe be able to go to see people. Some areas still stuck, stuck as you said, in a virtual environment. Yeah. But there's also a, a blurred space kind of in between where as much as, as you said, there are organizations where you could probably go and see them in person, but actually now they've had the proof of concept that virtual works. And so their preference now will be able to do it virtually. And how, how, would, you, um, how would you advise someone to adapt to that kind of situation? You know, I appreciate that question because, you know, Ben, you have to remember this impacted me. I'm a yeah. professional salesperson. I've got my own consulting firm. Uh, Mentor Group is one of my largest clients. And I haven't been able to go visit a mentor group client or deliver a mentor group program since, since March of 2020. Wow. So part of that mindset is leaning in and accepting it and realizing yeah. the more I push against it, the more I fight it, if you will, kind of the worse my mindset gets. And then I'm not available for the customer. I think that's the biggest thing is in professional sales, we're here to solve problems for customers that can't solve them themselves. So to serve them, to be focused on them, we've got to get our mindset correct. We've got to be congruent. We've got to be saying, okay, this isn't going to change or this is different. Therefore, how can I bring that same sense of excellence that I had before Mm. to this situation? One of the interesting and ironic and baffling uh, challenges, Ben, that was faced by many professional sales organizations is remarkably high-performing salespeople started to decline in their production and performance in the pandemic. Right. Because they weren't able to adjust their mindset. They weren't able to accept it and become even more flexible professionals. Mm. So, yeah, it's that interesting interesting meeting point of, resilience and agility kind of working together hand in hand we've got to be resilient enough to to you know accept that this is how the situation is right now but then also at the same time agile enough to go okay this is how it is and this is how i'm going to adapt to it because there's an element where resilience could turn into stubbornness if it just is how it is but i'm going to keep plugging away and doing how doing how i do it and i've always done it and actually Mm -hmm. introducing agility um, and flexibility, as you said, into that space and going, okay, this is how it is, but I know that I can do X, Y, Z to adapt to the situation and still do what I need to do, but perhaps in a slightly different way. 
Yeah, Ben, that's wonderfully insightful. I love those two words, resilience and agility, um, because you've, you've just nailed it. I think that's the two particular elements that some folks seem to thrive in that agility yeah. in that resilience and others just seem to go off the cliff and are really struggling with it and still are because now we've had some stop start this past three or four months, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go out and see clients. Oops. I'm not going to go out and see clients because of the Delta variant coming in into play. And again, so how do you flex? How do you uh, abide by that? How do you say, okay, that isn't working. I'll move to something else. So I love those two words, agility, resilience, and, and flipping them back and forth all the time. And I can imagine being out um, in the U S it's an even more unique environment where some of the, uh, restrictions and what you're able to do and not able to do will obviously change from state to state because as much as there's a federal aspect of it, it's also the state level stuff. So over here in the UK, it's, it's a little bit simpler in that you you know what the restrictions are and what you can and can't do more or less wherever you go in the UK. Whereas over where you are, the, the shift is from state to state. Yeah, you've got uh, 50 variables basically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it also, it even changes, you know, again, company to company. Some right. companies are saying, well, come on in. Most are saying, nope, stay there. Um, maybe see you in October. No, maybe not till January. So there's an ambiguity, which again, taps into your comment, which is so insightful around agility, resilience. And I think the big thing is being customer centric. Okay. Is I this all about me or is it all about the customer? And clearly it's supposed to all be about the customer. And then that was going to be my next point of bringing that into focus where we talk about within, within sales all the time, there's this big uh, shift towards what we've covered in a few different parts here's mentor group is the idea of value-based selling and, and shifting that focus away from, okay, what can I deliver? Here's my product and you should go and buy it to actually, okay, what do you need as a customer? Um, how mm-hmm. can I deliver value to you? And that mindset very much coming over into this private equity space as as the world shifts of as much as it impacts the organization, it also massively impacts the client and then making sure that the, the people side of it, the client side of it comes first. Yeah, Ben, that's a good segue into some of the other uh, unique uh, features and unique character traits of private equity. And mm-hmm. and by the way, Mentor Group would admit we're still learning this space. Yeah. We're still learning what it takes. Because interestingly enough, in this pandemic, raising money has not been a problem. Matter of fact, there's a wild amount of liquidity in the global economy for private equity. Most because they the haven't been able equity, to invest it in places. Yes. And the demand to yeah. take money and invest it someplace else with a greater yield has been paramount. Um, but amidst those those challenges that you just outlined is, you know, some of these sales organizations aren't as mature as other uh, global companies like uh, Dell or Lenovo that we work with. And so they are not only facing the challenges that we just shared together, uh, but also they're trying to figure out how to expand or contract the sales team. And again, they're onboarding right. people they've never met. They're <laughs> trying to train their own sales professionals and get them up to speed. But the biggest thing that they continue to struggle with, we call, you know, call it messaging or value-based, is to re-examine is the value that the, that the client saw before pandemic the same in pandemic? Mm. What's, what's changed about their way of purchasing? What's changed about the way we sell and respond to that? And I think to many, what we find is many cases, in many cases, the portfolio company is stuck. In even some cases, the private equity company doesn't have the scale and some of the unique expertise it takes 
to address those questions wherein lies folks like ourselves to step in and become an additional uh, outsourced expertise to help these sales organizations flex, to your point, become resilient and lean into their agility. Right. And I think you raise a very interesting question that is, you know, the value that customers might have been looking for trying to find pre-pandemic is probably going to be different post-pandemic. So to, to answer that question, where, where do you think that shift goes to? Like, what, what do you think of the different value points I might be looking for now? You know, I think one of the things that we're still exploring and we're leaning on on some of the other expert research companies, but the interesting thing is now a couple of, a couple of sound bites have occurred. One is there's at least by research base now, at least 11 or 12 contacts inside the company as the buyers, the buying personas. Yeah, We never had that many typically before. So now you've got to be able as a sales professional to map out what is the ecosystem of buying? Who do I need to speak to? The other part of that, and there's many of, of these variables, but the two that stick out biggest for us is that the, the purchaser has done 75% of the decision-making before we ever get in touch yeah. with them. And that was somewhat true uh, when we were traveling to meet our clients. But now, just trying to get to them, they've been on the website, they've done their research, they're looking at client case studies, they've done diagnosis, they've done prescription, and they're saying, <laughs> okay, Bill, now I'm ready to purchase X. Yeah. So, well, wait a minute, let me back you up and sort of understand the context. No, I'm good. I'm going to buy that. So, I think yeah, value-based right. selling is predicated on great discovery. Do I really understand the old saying is, can I walk around the table figuratively, rhetorically, and be yeah. in the shoes of the buyer? Do I really understand what their problem is? Do I understand the impact of it? Do I understand the negative consequences they're facing if they don't solve the problem? Before I start selling stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know, I got to make sure that, you know, okay, I think I hear your question, but you need to buy this. Yeah. So I think the, the great discovery and value is when we really do become articulate about understanding the problem and we can and we we check back on that and in a pandemic environment with their business changing in a volatile uh, economy we need to go back and check again and recheck and recheck to make sure we're still uh, in track on track for that kind of value-based solution yeah, you raise a great point there about the first interaction a buyer will have with the salespeople. We, we've seen it over the years, seems to get later and later. As you said, they tend to do 75, 80% of their decision-making buying process before they even speak to the salespeople. And I think you're absolutely right that the, the nature of the last 18, 20 months has, has pushed that back even further by necessity, just because you haven't been able, they haven't been able to then get in contact with a salesperson. So in that sense, they've almost been forced to do even more discovery than they would have done before. And that, how, how much do you think that impacts the, the skill set that high-performing sellers now in the current environment need to have, where it's, it's less about, um, you know, convincing the the customer as much as it is actually just the execution. Almost It's almost closing the sale before what, at the first point of interaction now. Yeah, and I'd rephrase that a little bit, Ben. I think you're right mm -hmm. on target, but I think what I'd rephrase is, <clears throat> are you agile enough as a sales professional in that first introductory call? Hello, I'm Bill Taylor. Hi, yeah. Ben Barton. Thanks for taking our call. And, and starting in to be ready to not be scripted, to have a mindset that says, I've got to talk about my stuff first. Sure. Yeah. And can I, can I relinquish that? Can I give that up and say, what is the highest and best use of our time together? How can I, my phrase, how can I best serve the questions that you have today on this call? Where shall we start? So it's always about them. 
I had a, a fascinating call, a very brief call. I had to chuckle. I talked to Matt <laughs> Webb about this. A very prominent private equity firm, very mature, probably about, I think, 85 portfolio companies, wildly successful. Guy knows everything. I mean, brilliant. We get on the phone. He goes, Bill, before we go anywhere, I know you guys are in sales enablement, sales transformation, all that stuff. He goes, I just want to talk to a reference of a client. Wow. Okay. <laughs> He says, yeah. uh, I said, run that by me again. He's, <laughs> I said, is there anything you'd like to talk about around specific problems? And so he goes, no, I just want to talk to an end user in a private equity portfolio company with somebody that's my peer. And yeah. I want to hear their client success story. And I want to ask them specifically, why'd you use mentor? What difference did it make? Wow. I said, so if I understand correctly, that's the specific, what I call advance or request that you want. And he goes, Bill, Absolutely. He says, I got about 10 more minutes. How do you want to proceed? Yeah. <laughs> that was the sales call. That was the sensational. Call. Yeah, it was great. I said, okay, duly noted. Here's our next steps. I'll get back to you with a reference from one of our private equity uh, companies, a managing director like you, an operating partner. Yeah. He goes, perfect. If you can do that and send me the deck, send me the case studies and we're good to go. We'll talk in 30 days. I said, okay, thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> that was, that was 12 minutes was that sales call. Sensational. And uh, I think that that in and of itself belies an, another really interesting, uh, I guess, paradigm shift um, that I think a lot of people both in and out of typical corporate spaces have realized. Um, is I think that as with different lockdowns, different restrictions, all these other things that have come into place, I think the value that we place on time has been massively amplified. Because I think everybody, you know, in under normal, let's call it that normal circumstances would say, oh, yeah, time is a really valuable thing and we want always want more time. I think that what we've seen over the last 18, 20 months is that actually we probably even even still now probably don't quite value time enough. And that actually organizations and, and particularly clients and customers and buyers place such a high premium on their time now that they're not they're not going to be content with going back over things and going around the bushes on certain conversations. They want to get right to the point of it um, because they, that the preciousness and the value of time has been amplified and highlighted to them over the last 18 months or so. Yeah, and to your point, you know, kind of a normal customary sales call would be an hour. Yeah. In pandemic times, that's moved to 45 minutes, that's moved to 30 minutes. Uh, I've had people say I could take a call for 20 yeah. So, you know, you've got to be ready then to shift to your point, a paradigm shift. Okay. I, if I've got a hundred slides, I think I'm going to go through, which is terrible. <laughs> uh, you better be ready for probably no slides as in zero. Yes. Cause they, you know, number two, you've got to be ready to adjust uh, that conversation, which I think was hysterical. I told the guy afterwards, I said, this is fascinating. You want to go all the way to the end of the, of a classic sales cycle and say, before yeah. we sign the contract, we want to talk to a reference and you want to talk to the reference now ahead of time before you even talk about the value. <laughs> he goes, he goes, Bill, I'll figure out the value with the reference. I don't need yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Well wow. spoken. Well spoken. Yeah. Okay. And I said, great. So I think, you know, are our sales professionals uh, willing to flex? Number two, are the sales managers, their leaders willing to flex? And like we say at Mentor Group, become world-class sales coaches and help those salespeople shift their mindset and become different kind of virtual, uh, exceptional sales professionals, but shifting around in a crazy sales cycle environment. 
Yeah, it, it, it's all about the the principle of selling over necessarily the process of it, where your principle is going to be deliver what the customer needs. And if all the customer needs is a reference, then you go and give it to them. And the, the, the traditional quote unquote process, you can kind of not necessarily fully forget it because you're going to want to meet certain milestones and whatever else, but you can you can to an extent put it to one side and, and adapt it and tailor it to exactly what it is that the client needs. You're correct. You've got to be flexible. And it gets back to one sub point is many of the portfolio companies we've we've had a chance to speak to have indeed uh, used a sales engagement process. In other words, the buyer motion and the seller motion synchronized and documented because that's now changed and they haven't gone back and changed it. So they're still working in a cadence that's mm. now antithetical almost or completely out of sync with what the buyer wants. Yeah. So one of the ser- many services we provide is say, can we help you document that, realign the buyer motion, the seller motion? Let's realign the stage gate activities that need to happen to move from uh, state, you know, sales cycle, uh, excuse me, engagement cycle number one, two, three, four, from prospect to qualified to proposal to close and renewal. Yeah. And they're going, wow, that's all mixed up now. Well, let's <laughs> help you document that. Uh, but it's fascinating and it's crazy. That's for sure. And I think that's absolutely the key word. There's the realignment. Um, and I think that's what a lot in, in a corporate sense, a lot of the last, particularly the last six months, but just as this, as the situation has progressed, a lot of it has been that process of diagnosing where the gaps are now in the environment and realigning to meet those gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this, the other thing that we we've sort of alluded to in the private equity space is some of these companies can have five, 10 salespeople. Others can have 150, 200. So I think folks like ourselves at Mentor Group, the other part of our mentality in private equity has been the willingness to um, uh, stay a bit agnostic to methodology. Okay, we can do technology with you. We can do people. We can do process. Again, the discovery now becomes what in one of those areas or two would be the highest and best use of using an outsourced third party and allowing them to pick and choose a bit rather than assuming we're going to do an end-to-end, I call it a bumper-to-bumper sales transformation. Yeah, I think we're starting to separate ourselves in our own value messaging, Ben, by the willingness to flex. Right. Could we just do that kind of a la carte? Yes, you can. We'll earn yeah. the right to be heard. Uh, could you do bumper-to-bumper? Yep, we can do that too. Uh, even our pricing models, we've gone from a CapEx model, big project price tag. Whoa, that's a lot of money. Let's move it to an OpEx pricing model. Let's yeah, amortize yeah, sure. that and spread it out over 24, 36 months. So again, we're even learning on the fly ourselves in the pandemic how to move from uh, doing 90% of our training in a stand-up environment in early 2020. We went to, now we've gone to 100% virtual. Mm. That's a big change. Big Salespeople. Change. <laughs> I have not visited us. I have not visited a client since February of 2020. That's yeah. 18 it's, months. It's, <laughs> it's, kill, it's killing me. <laughs> I, I miss being with clients. I miss having yeah. a lunch or a coffee. Uh, I miss being, you know, on the road to go visit them and understand them and get to know them. I, you know, I, I haven't done that. Uh, in almost 18, 20 months. I mean, it's, it's goofy to think about it. By the way, for the rest of this year of 2020, I don't see myself being on any customer site. I'm continuing to do exactly what we're doing. And yeah, what's, wow. what's exciting, it's been remarkably effective, more than we ever dreamed. So that's been yeah. a big paradigm for all of us, a big paradigm shift. 
And I think you've seen that in a few different eras as well in the in, in the operations of just kind of the day-to-day stuff and meeting clients mm-hmm. and stuff, but even going to remote working type situations where people are working from home and doing all of their in-work meetings virtually, the, the effectiveness of that where you haven't really seen productivity dip. In fact, in some spaces you've seen it increase um, yeah. and, and, and that adjustment, there's been a, you know, there's going to be a massive, obviously as restrictions and just kind of as the situation in theory, hopefully gets better and we progress back to a version of how things were before. I, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people expect that particularly around remote working, but even around virtual meetings and stuff, that shift isn't going to be quite as sharp back to pre-pandemic as people might expect. I agree with you. I agree with you. We're all, uh, sort of playing this day by day, conversation by conversation. Yeah, that's the thing. The private equity people, as they ask us about how we might come in and approach uh, their clients, uh, often we're finding that some of our competitors, who are um, unbelievable, and I've worked for a few of them, uh, kind of have a mentality of rip and replace. Okay, we'll come in and talk to your folks. We'll rip everything out. We'll yeah. replace it with all of our stuff. And it's interesting, uh, they're looking for some more flexible, customized approach to that, as I mentioned, I alluded to earlier. So as the pandemic is swirling, roles and responsibilities are swirling, am I going to go see people or not see people? The thing they're looking for, uh, this is what I would refer to as small, incremental, but significant changes mm. that they can yeah. make with a sales uh, organization, with the sales managers, and with process. So typically, they're not looking for full-scale uh, change, uh, which we love to do. Those are big, fun projects. <laughs> yeah. But is it a little bit more surgical, a little more a la carte, a little more customer uh, uh, customized, or if you will, a little bit more of a boutique approach? And so our private equity firms are starting to respond very nicely to us because they're saying, okay, we don't have to do a full-scale thing, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, let's find out. Let's get in and do some interviews. Let's do some diagnostics. Yeah. And then let's in particular find if there's one lever we pull, let's just say it's an it's a technology lever or a people lever or a process lever. You know what? Let's just pull that one and see if we get the results. If not, we'll go pull another one and we'll do it incrementally as needed and, and being sensitive to cost as well. And that's being received well for our value proposition. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think, will continue to stay the same where the as we've talked about a number of times today is the agility the adaptability the flexibility not not being rigid in how you deliver things or even why you deliver certain things and just being able to uh it's not rolling with the punches because it's not necessarily punches but certainly being able to adjust to what you need to adjust to and what your client need to, to kind of wrap us up then very quickly um i, I, I did this on the last uh, episode with david cuffley um you, somebody comes up to you um, and they say, Bill, I'm trying to take my first steps as a salesperson or as a sales manager in private equity. I just need 30 seconds, one minute. What piece of advice would you give me that's going to set me right as I take these first steps? Yeah, thanks. That's a provocative question. <laughs> I, I think I think I would I would say to them immediately is, are, are you willing to become a student of sales? Right. Are you willing to yeah. become a student? and be subordinate to the fact that you might be very glib, you might love sales, but I I would challenge you and encourage you to become a student of the sales profession. I'm very proud to be in this profession. Yeah, uh, I love professional sales. We, we do remarkable things and we create remarkable value. The second thing is, are you willing to be always, if you will, 
subordinate to and listening to and empathetic of the customer's explicit need. Right. What is that explicit need? And I think the third thing is, would you not only become a student, would you become empathetic and understand the other side of the table, but are you willing to work on your craft and get better and better and better? Now, sales managers, I think, they need to become world-class sales coaches. I'm also an executive coach, as you know, in my other part of my practice. Mm. So I think the next big swing, the next big tectonic shift in this crazy world of sales is for sales managers now to become world-class sales coaches. That means they've got to be uh, and bring a bit of humility to this and say, how could I get better and serve my professional sellers in the field? So those are three things I'd say. Yeah, so become a student of the sales profession, uh, become fully empathetic to the customer's explicit need, um, and then for sales managers that shift to becoming world-class sales coaches. Well, well paraphrased. Thank you. That's Just good. using your words, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, this has been a very insightful conversation, um, and I'm sure that all our listeners will find great value in it. Um, and I'm absolutely certain we'll have you on again before too long. Well, thank you. It's been a great privilege. You take good care of yourself and stay, stay safe out there, okay? Absolutely. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of a Sales Transformation Toolkit podcast from Mentor Group. You can find our podcast on Apple Music, on Spotify, or any other major podcast provider. You can also follow our social media channels on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, and of course, on LinkedIn.